welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Omnitalk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are the founders of Omnitalk, the fast-growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the people, and the technologies that are coming together to shape the future of retail, or as we like to say, the retail news organization that focuses on tomorrow today. Chris, we had one of our most successful events with Microsoft's experts talking AI. We had over 2,000 people for that conversation. We just had to welcome the team at Microsoft back to talk more about AI and just how quickly things have changed even in the last few months since that happened. Yeah, we did, and of course we did. I can't think of two I can't think of two better guests to to fill us in on what's been going on in the space, especially with everything that's happening right now. Yes. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Romeo Bolibol, the managing partner and head of sales for strategic retail and consumer goods at Microsoft, and Chris Couch, the enterprise solutions sales leader for the Americas at GitHub. Romeo, Chris, we're so excited to have you here at OmniTalk. Um, Romeo, how are you feeling as we get into this AI conversation? You ready to, to do it up again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm fresh out of Ignite. But oh, lots yes. of announcements, so a lot of buzz, but uh, it's it's super exciting. It's super exciting. So love this opportunity to uh, to talk about all that's happening and the velocity we're seeing. Yes, we're so, so excited. Chris, uh, we're, we're really excited to have you here as well. Um, what's, what's bubbling to the top right now? What are you really excited to talk about today? You got any teasers for us? For sure. So I'm most excited about what generative AI is going to do for us as human beings. I think we think about different use cases that we've got and how it's applicable in the retail industry. But as I think about how we embrace AI, generative AI, and those barriers to entry that maybe some of us are like stumbling on, like, how do I get started? I'm most excited to think about how embracing this new form of technology is going to reduce our cognitive load and give us more time to live and be more deeply human in our day-to-day lives. I love that. We were talking about before we got started today. Yes. Like how do we use generative AI so that we can surf more, Chris, right? That's right. Look at these waves. Don't you want to surf them? You're like trying to figure out which bump should I like? That's right. That's right. I'm pedaling on in. Um, All right. Well, before we get started, everybody, we just want to give you a quick reminder, those of you who are joining us live right now on LinkedIn, that you can ask questions of Chris's team, of Romeo's team, anybody here on the chat right in the window to the right of your screen right now. We'll do our best to get to all of them and we'll make sure that you have contact information for Chris and Romeo before we leave today's session. So with that, um, let's get let's get into your backgrounds a little bit. Um, Chris, I'd like to start with you. Tell us a little bit about you and how you're working directly with Microsoft here to help uh, reduce that cognitive load and have us start living better lives. Yeah, so I work alongside Romeo and the enterprise sales team for Microsoft. I lead our GitHub Microsoft joint sales practice for the Americas business. We look across all of the different verticals and we think about really the horizontal solutions that the GitHub AI powered platform helps enable with developer productivity and security solutions. So as we think about the different ways in which a software development lifecycle can take form, all the different tools and processes and use cases that are a part of a standard development lifecycle and shipping software, 
We work with the Microsoft team when there are specific use cases for developers and making sure that that dev team is empowered to ship software more securely and faster than they've ever done it before. And you shared with us a little bit about what you're excited about. What are your teams? What are what are you hearing from some of those developers that you work with, engineers that you work with at GitHub right now? What are they excited about when it comes to utilizing AI right now? Yeah, so we talk a lot about actually revenue growth when it comes to the development lifecycle. And so the companies that have embraced AI faster are able to see the bottom line and the top line like growth. And when we think about developers specifically, it's not something that's often talked about at work, but we talk about a lot about developer happiness and flow state. The mm. reduction of having to like switch from uh, one IDE to another and being able to do your entire development flow in one, in one place, that platform experience and reducing not only the like, okay, I got distracted. I have to go over to the Slack message and drop a GIF like developers like to do, right? Into the yeah. Slack message and then come back into the idea of like, where was I? What was I doing? What was I thinking? Like that is costly, not in terms of only time, but being able to look at like vulnerabilities in your code and what yeah. are you actually shipping? So as we think about the implications of AI and what that means for flow state and developer happiness, like happy developers can ship code faster. They can get their jobs done faster and then they can go do things like surf and enjoy their time, right? Where they're going to get more energy and bring that back to their day-to-day -day work environment. Right. right. And I mean, that trickles down to the rest of the, the people who are working with the products that they're shipping out too down the road. So I, I love how you and your team are thinking about that. Um, Romeo, I love to go to you next. Give us a little bit of your background, your role at Microsoft and what excites you about AI right now? I've been here a little while, so <laughs> I am uh, over 21 years at Microsoft wow. and, uh, and I've been in the software industry for a little longer than that. I don't want to age myself, but you know, I've seen the transformation from to the internet to, uh, mobile computing and, <laughs> and, you know, fast forward to where we are today. Um, you know, that history of going through those transformations, I think, prepared me well for where we are. And uh, I get the uh, the privilege of leading an organization responsible for retail and consumer goods. And um, this area is really the tip of the spear as it comes mm -hmm. to how these experiences are going to uh, show up and be leveraged by retailers that are that are running fast to innovate. And so it's been super uh, interesting, fun, chaotic, crazy, as we've been um, keeping up with the announcements and trying to stay just ahead as a team, yeah. lead our customers. Um, uh, and it's, it's, I have to say, it is the most exciting time I, I have been at Microsoft in all these years. And there's been a lot of excitement over the years, but oh my goodness, just the velocity, the inertia, uh, the interest, uh, the ability to speak to and um, speak with leaders in our customers in, in any area of the business is just fascinating to me. And um, boy, we just we just dream for this opportunity our entire careers, and it's here, it's now. Romeo, I got to tell you, you just made me feel you just made me feel really old in a really great way. It's the first time I've ever heard someone on this on on one of these webinars say, "I was here when the internet was created." You know, it's almost like, "Hey, I was here when the when the uh, when the when the when the railroad first came into play." But that's kind of how it feels now because things are jumping so far in, in, into the future. So it's great. Thanks for making me smile and chuckle a little bit. Oh my week. goodness! Yeah. I used to sell TCP/IP. 
<laughs> okay, let's go back, like way back. That's a, that's how far uh, I've come and and what I've seen. But um, it's it pales in comparison with the transformation that's in front of us and that we get to lead. So uh, right. I, I'm just excited. Yeah, I can tell. So 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 are we. So and Chris, you brought, you mentioned safety too, which is the hallmark of what we want to discuss today. I want to come back to that in a second too. But but Romeo, I want to go back to you real quick. You know, Ann and I, for the most part, we were talking before we even started hitting record on this session. Like, we're all in on AI. And in fact, I what we could argue, or I, particularly I think I could too, is that the hype might not even be big enough around it. Would you would you agree with that? Or do you think I should temper how I'm the hyperbole I'm putting around generative AI? No, the hype is real. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the hype cycles and, and things that happen and yeah, there's there's some element of that, but the reality is that you're seeing this show up. You're seeing this show up in our daily lives, and our expectations of how AI is becoming part of our daily lives and changing how we think about the UX, how we think about how we interact with systems, mm. with data, with consumer experiences, is shifting so fast. And so um, I think that's, you could say it was hype a few months ago because we didn't know what it was, but now that these true examples are showing up and not just examples, but also um, how we're measuring these. I mean, we're measuring things like from, from the customer lens in cost savings, productivity gains and revenue in the hundreds of millions of dollars in impact uh, through these solutions landing. So that's getting the attention and it's what's making this real. And so hype, hype is when you don't know what is possible and what the outcome might look like. And we're beyond that now. Now it's real, it's not hype, it's real. And so there's a sense of urgency here that I've never seen before and that I'm hearing from customers every day. And, and they're just trying to make sense of it, but they're trying to make sense of it in the context of their business and unlocking that potential that, that I'm talking about here in terms of, of productivity gains and revenue improvement that, that, uh, that they're taking very seriously. To double down on what Romeo was just saying, like Romeo and I are in sales, right? Like we care really about generating revenue. Yeah, hype's and your job in a lot of ways. It, like, it's yeah. our job. That's what we're measured on, right? And in... Q4 of last fiscal year for Microsoft, which ends on June 30th, we had to talk to our teams to be like, you guys slow down on Copilot because like our customers were coming at us with so much interest. And we really had to say, hey, we still have a number to deliver. We have to sell what's on the cart right now, but we're ready for it for next fiscal. And, and here we are. And so as Romeo was saying about the hype, like we actually had to tell our customers it's here, it's coming. We just got to focus on what we have right now and then we'll bring it to you when it's available. And so now that, you know, we just came off of Ignite and GitHub Universe and a lot of the announcements came out around what is generally available now that's hit GA, it's no longer hype. It is here. But I'm curious though, because you've got the four of us on here and everyone watching, you know, we're we're saying, you know, the hype's real, it's believable, but but yet it feels like there's still some element, particularly in the retail industry, that's keeping people from jumping in feet first. And you, you both are in executive retail boardrooms. Like what in your mind is holding people back? Uh, Chris, why don't we go to you first? A lot of it is just, where do I start? Like, how okay. do I get started? And as Romeo mentioned, being able to help provide that path to learning and understanding what is a machine learning AI model? Like, how do I use this in my day-to-day? -day? How do I use this giant data set and make sense of it? 
And I think when you look at the cost, it's like, am I really going to invest this much upfront? Am I going to get the returns down the road that I need? I don't know if I trust this technology. I don't know if Mm -hmm. I'm buying what's out there. And so I think a lot of the hesitancy that I hear in Romeo, you can speak to your experience, is around the upfront investment, the break-even, the ROI down the road, and then where, like, how do I bring everyone along on this path with me? And is it worth the, is it worth the skilling investment? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, Some of this, it it came out of nowhere for a lot of organizations who are multi-year planning cycles around what's going to come next. And this disrupted that because all of a sudden it put something very tangible and important in front of them to make a decision on now to be uh, cutting edge, bleeding edge with the future. Um, And so some of the same fears that they had when they started moving to the cloud is, as uh, Chris had alluded to, um, about increasing costs, scaling up the organization. These things that are sort of unknown in these early stages um, are definitely gating factors. Like how do do we pay for this stuff? Um, How do we scale up our organization? How do we hire the right people? How do we cultivate and teach the talent that we have today so they don't go somewhere else? but that they grow in career and they can take advantage of this. So these are all things that were thrust in front of them suddenly. And um, they've had to really sort of rethink and recategorize and prioritize themselves around this. Um, Fortunately, there's things that are happening on the back end where um, we've had an eye on that. We've looked at optimization. We've looked at costs. We're putting tools in place to make this manageable and to, um, to actually allow them to safely uh, adopt and have an eye on how to plan and budget for these things. Um, the other huge area that I see out there, though, is this conversation around security mm. and uh, and privacy and compliance. You know, um, I mentioned the UX, right? That that yeah. is the big shift here is how folks interact with data. Um, and so, what do you do when you all of a sudden you put an LLM with natural language capability in in the hands of people? Uh, and open up the data sources and applications in a new way to them that just makes it so easy and accessible. No writing queries, no figuring out where data is, just asking questions. And now what is that going to surface? So um, I think there are fears that are out there um, among CISOs and, and folks that are just saying, hey, if I turn on this capability in my organization, I've now unlocked this easy way for folks to access and ask these questions of my data, What are they going to uncover? And so there's a pause in some organizations that are saying, we really need to think about what this will look like. We really need to see and understand for ourselves what exposure and what potential risk we're opening up ourselves up to. And um, I think that's that's a legit fear. It's something that they're going to have to figure out. And fortunately, um, there's a lot that's here and there's a lot that's on the way to continue to uh, help with that journey and help reduce the risk and make this um, something that that organizations can broadly adopt without increasing that risk profile. Okay, so you two are talking about really one of the most profound technologies that we've experienced in the last decade, at least. Um, and I'd love for each of you to kind of give examples too. I'm curious, uh, Romeo, we'll start with you first, but like, how are you helping retailers clients like really understand how to feel security 
testing something that is still somewhat new and somewhat foreign and a huge investment. Like Chris was talking about earlier, what, what is it that you're doing? That's kind of giving them the security that they felt when they went onto the cloud or when they they're starting new developments like this, this area of security and privacy that's, that's been coming up in these discussions um, has been led by, you know, a different room of the house, so to speak, within the organizations we're working with. So legal, uh, the office of the CISO, compliance, et cetera. And, and so the way that we've been working on that is we, we're encouraging those conversations early in parallel, because I'll tell you, the business is like chomping at the bit to get going. Sure. Right. <laughs> it's, give me results. We want to see. know they need it. I want it. But how? I need it yesterday. Um <laughs> At the same time, we're saying, hey, listen, we're, and we're saying, let's have those discussions. Let's talk with the security team because right. we really need to assess where they are in terms of, um, you know, securing their data, securing their documents, those things, uh, understanding their policies and how uh, mature they are in classification, because all of that work does need to be done. And fortunately, um, you know, CISOs have been doing this for some time. So it's not like they're starting from zero. Yeah, they just right. need to assess where they are in terms of readiness for, for AI workloads and for unlock, as I, I mentioned earlier, um, using natural language. So um, the conversations we're having is, you know, really in that area to assess and then uh, obviously share what we're doing to make it easier. Um, so uh, a lot of the tooling that's happening, a lot of the telemetry now um, that, that we've gained in these in these months as we've been sprinting and adopting ourselves, by the way, at scale with what yeah. you're seeing across our entire portfolio has given us insights into what's required. And, and we're building those tools. We're building um, things like Security Copilot, which puts the same power uh, of this natural language in the hands of the CISO, in the hands of the security team. So they can ask questions of what's being used and, and where their risks are in the organization using that same natural language. And so there's things that, that are out there, things that are coming, we'll continue to iterate on. But I think the important thing is that they have to run in parallel, that we right. have to invite security into the conversation so that everyone is doing the work that's necessary. Because if we if we do that right, and we go a little bit slow, we're going to go extremely fast on the uptake afterwards. The right. business and, is going to get unlocked. And you and you at Microsoft, you're really putting your money where your mouth is too. I mean, you are going for it. You've invested a lot of money into this. Like, Talk a little bit more about how that plays into the conversation too, that you're committed to kind of investing in this across the board and in all applications for, for your clients. Our bet is is everything. <laughs> We're all in. Um, yeah, you are. You are all in. That's for yeah. sure. If we've ever been all in before, okay, that pales in comparison to how all in we are now. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, our investments across the board, we're doing all the right things. We're investing in every aspect of this platform. The other thing is, um, you know, Satya is telling our organization to put our money where our mouths are. Mm -hmm. Um Go and adopt this, innovate. Each business area within Microsoft has been uh, told to go and innovate, unlock, because we're learning at that same time. Those learnings fuel the platform. Uh, as I right. said in the security example, it tells us what we're building for, what we're building towards. All of those learnings now translate into experiences that we get to take to customers right. and we can take to the same areas, the same business areas and say, hey, here's the unlock, here are the considerations. 
And then we can bring the context to that business and we can look at it through their lens and ensure that we're doing it in a way that aligns with their business because our business is different. So what we learn, the principles that we learn in this process and what we're investing in across our business, we get to translate and the return is a, a faster adoption for our customers, a safer adoption for our customers. And we get to take that and get our ROI from that. You both have mentioned it now a couple of times. You both have said the word co-pilot now in the course of this conversation. And so we probably have many, many watchers here who are possibly unfamiliar with what that is. So Chris, can you double click into that for us? Because it's it's seemingly coming up a lot. So let's give our audience a little insight into what Copilot actually is. For sure. GitHub Copilot is the world's first at scale AI developer tool that can help you write code faster and with less work. So as we think about Copilots and all the different applications there are across the Microsoft side of the house as well, GitHub Copilot relies on that open AI co uh, the open AI codex that has the generative pre-trained language model um, that was created by OpenAI. So it has the extensions available for IDEs such as Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, the JetBrains suite of IDEs, and you're able to take those code suggestions that are generated by your AI pair programmer and develop code faster. Wow. And if if I remember when I was talking to you about this the first time too, like it, it works across every platform, right? Like it's it's it works across the entire stack, right? So like if you want to use it across as as a as a lay user, if I want to use it across Excel and Word, in theory, I can be using generative AI to power my work across all those applications at one time. Is that right? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I think the big difference is that generative AI just allows you to use natural language, like how you or I would interact. I and mean, you don't have to go into Python, for instance, or a programming right. language right. to access the AI model. So the AI, the AI assistants that we have throughout all of our products now are looking at our language and offering suggestions based on what we're asking in our natural language. So that's what I think is kind of when we talk about democratizing AI, that's what we're referring to. So some other things I would add um, to, to what Chris has said, and and you know, thank goodness we started actually in the developer community with GitHub Copilot. The learnings there in terms of creating context and the persona that is a developer persona, um, who is an important uh, and I would also say very critical audience for us, allowed us to cut our teeth in that area. And so imagine now taking that in the context that we built with an angel on your shoulder that is, you know, the best, most knowledgeable developer in the world. And now let's shift the focus of that to the knowledge worker. And so when you think about Copilot within Microsoft 365, for instance, now you're you know, a knowledge worker working in some area of the business and you have this unlock and this capability. Well, now th that's going to take on the context of you. So there's a couple of things that are special there in that, in that, you know, the foresight that we have and the importance of the knowledge graph, every interaction that you're having on a daily basis across your email, the documents, the people you meet with, the meetings you have, the things you say uh, are all factored in so that there's context and understanding around that work that now when you bring that LLM, when you bring that uh, chat interface to the table, it knows who you are. It knows how you respond. And so, um, that's the first stage of this is just unlocking that capability and that assistant that sort of knows you and learns you and will respond and generate content based on your style. And, and you're going to see examples of that start to increase in velocity as well. 
Um, the other big thing that's happening is that, uh, and we announced is um, Copilot Studio. Well, okay. Copilot Studio allows you to even further that context. And so you have the ability within uh, Microsoft 365 for a business user to create their own Copilot. So what does this look like? Well, let's say that I'm a retailer and I'm working in the buying office. So, so my daughter okay. happens to work in a buying office at a, at a pretty significant retailer here in, in Seattle. And um, in speaking with her, you know, she has a very, um, you know, different disciplined area of the business that has its own context. And so with this tool set, they have the ability to create their own co-pilots and so what does that mean? It, it means, um, you know, plugging into other GPTs, plugging in, uh, adding in add-ins, creating automation, creating data sources that are relevant to you and the work that you do daily. And so you can create that context and you can create that interface for interacting that's putting the persona of a buyer into the co-pilot. So now once you've done that, you can then publish it to your entire team. Now your entire team has a co-pilot that knows the buyer persona. And so when you start using that co-pilot, mm. it will understand the context. It'll know what you know the colors are or the styles are or the seasons are specific to that business. And what we expect is that every area of the business, finance, operations, are going to see the value in that and extend um, what, what we think is an incredible power of co-pilot in Microsoft 365 now to the business areas and bring that rich context that's going to help people be even more productive. Yeah, I think that that's such an important thing, Romeo, when you start to think about what Chris mentioned when we were prepping for this session was, you know, it's it's empowering the humans behind all of these businesses to do their job better, to have resources and tools, whether they're engineers and developers who are not having to leave their flow state in order to keep producing, or if it's someone on the finance team who can, or a buying team who can, you know, tap into their own internal um their internal GPT services in order to just improve productivity. I think one of the things I want to make sure we cover too is, you know, how that impacts security um, from some of your clients when they're talking about, will I be replaced by AI? You know, is my job going away because this is now adding so much productivity that pretty soon I won't be needed. So I'm curious, like Chris, how do you respond to people that bring that up to you? And if you can, like, I wanna dig into some examples even further of how how those retailers that you're working with are using this successfully. Sure, so we have a canned response for this that we are all pretty much programmed to say this <laughs> is AI itself as a technology is not going to replace you, but someone who knows how to use AI will. Yes. And that means like get that ball rolling in terms of building your skill set and understanding how you can use it. Think creatively around it because it is going to give you so much time to get back to your day to day and what brings you joy and happiness in your day to day. And that energy is going to be uh, carried on throughout not only like your work, but your life. And so as we think about like lost productivity, we know like there was a McKenzie study that we ran 37 percent of employee wasted time is due to poor collaboration. And if you think about a modern DevOps tool, GitHub Enterprise and our AI powered platform solution, there are countless tools that you could be using to develop software and ship code. But when you we hear about concerns with data and security risk and what gets shipped, 
we know across like all of the different tools that there's going to be flaws in applications and there's going to be security vulnerabilities. And so as you think about using the security AI to counter that, it's going to keep you one step ahead. And so as we think about uh, the latest developments in AI and changes in the industry, if we we're talking about the retail industry, like how do you keep pace? How do you scale in a world that is growing so fast? And you, if you ship something that maybe relies on some open source code or has contributions from third-party sources, and you're not running an AI like security assistant to help check what's going on there, you're opening yourself up to enormous risk. And so being able to, if you're going to use the AI to develop the code, you should use the AI to secure the code as well. Like you need to be able to like lean in on both sides because at the end of the day, those unsustainable processes are going to cost so much more in fixes and operating costs going back to solve what could have been avoided in the first place. Yeah. Romeo, go ahead and jump in on that one too. Yeah. I, I was going to even, um, so that's a, that's a great example. So, um, I, I was going to add to that, that, you know, what we're seeing and what we're hearing from customers is, is that, um, it, it's not necessarily how senior you are or how junior you are in the organization. There's something to be gained here, both ends of the spectrum. They're using this capability that is co-pilot that is generative AI to unlock something for them. On the senior end, it's taking away a lot of the busyness and the mundane, as we call it, of the work that we're doing, the tedious things to do more high value work. At the other end of the spectrum, it's fast tracking the knowledge and putting information in front of folks that are earlier in career to help them more quickly onboard and, and prepare themselves to grow. And so accelerating that growth and that velocity of growth. So there's something at either end of the spectrum that's incredibly valuable and to employers to say, boy, I'm getting the most out of my people. I'm putting the tools in front of them to increase their learning, adoption, um, happiness uh, yes. in their roles and, uh, and give that excitement. And so organizations that don't recognize this and don't take advantage of it are the ones that are actually going to see uh, probably pressure and, and possible attrition because at some point folks are going to say, well, I can go over here and I can have this amazing capability that's going to foster my growth. That's going to help, you know, get rid of the mundane. It's going to make me a more happy, uh, you know, employee. And then, over here, I can continue to, to do that tedious daily work and 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 not grow as fast. I mean, where, where are you going to go? Yeah. Um, well, I, Chris, I really yeah, Chris, I mean, I, I want to dig in here and I'd like you to go back and really, I'd love to see some examples that you've seen in your daily work here. You've seen successful retailers pull off doing all the things that you just talked about. One example that we can share, it's an external facing case study is with Shopify. So Shopify is an e-commerce platform. They have over two and a half million websites across 175 countries. So as you think about scale and what its platform relies on, they have every 28 seconds, a person is going to make a new purchase that requires a transaction on Shopify. So as a company, they're a small company, but their core application hosts more than 2.8 million lines of code with over 500,000 commits. So as you think about what that's going to take to maintain scaling that platform to keep up with the company's growth, by the way, it's still growing like that 500,000 commits right. is probably an outdated number, you know, a week later from when we pull it, like 
But Shopify uses GitHub Advanced Security and Dependabot to automate security functions. And within the organization, they're able to open like some open source packages and then monitor like with Dependabot, are these open source packages that we're using and using pull requests for it? Can we review them in real time? Can we ship this code and know that we aren't shipping vulnerabilities and that when we go back and look at the new features that we're trying to implement, we know we have confidence in what we're able to ship uh, securely and using our new AI suite of products. So GitHub Advanced Security is the product, if you will, behind all of that um, confidence. Well, and that's the whole that's the whole title of this session, right? It's like it's it's the generative AI is a safe bet, and and you're getting that, and that's been the unlock for me as we've been talking to you both is like, okay, yeah, there may be concerns about security. But there's actually more concerns about security if you're not using the security prevention capabilities of Gen AI in your business. Like it's actually you're actually going to be worse off if you're not taking advantage of the opportunity here. But but Romeo, I mean, with that said, like, am I thinking about that the right way? One, and then two, what what other examples are there out there in the marketplace that you can share that are real life and tangible at this point in time? Yeah, you're, I think you're absolutely thinking about it the right way. So even if we look at cybersecurity and uh, you know, leveraging generative AI in that context, you know, think about something that's that's superhuman, keeping an eye on every signal across an organization and notifying you or being able to answer that question, that question in the moment of what's happening in my organization at this time. Where are my risks? What should I focus on? Those things that that, you know, are the questions that you wish you had someone you could ask. You wish if you're if you're a security leader, I wish I could ask, you know, what's happening and am I at risk at this moment and have someone answer that question. And and in the power of what's what we have with the AI is that unlock, that very unlock. So yeah, if you're not doing that in very short order, you're going to be at a disadvantage to hackers and, and others that are out there that are, you know, leveraging this type of technologies. And you gotta stay ahead of it by leveraging the, these very tools to do so. Um now, sort of stepping into the retail context and, and what yeah. we're seeing, um, I think we're seeing velocity. A lot of the things that that we'd sort of heard about and talked about uh, in the early days um, as ideas, we're starting to see make real. So content creation is one of those uh, and marketing content creation. So, you know, the early example like we gave with CarMax was a great starter and primer for others. But what we're seeing now in terms of you know, folks taking AI to generate, you know, vast amounts of highly um, valuable, specific, uh, you know, information about products and services and doing it across an entire portfolio and catalog in, you know, a fraction of the time and then keeping that evergreen is a huge unlock and cost saves, uh, a cost save for the org these organizations. Um, and I, I would say this too, I'd be remiss in not sort of talking about some of the, the latest tech that's happening. Um, you know, we made an announcement at Ignite uh, about uh, ChatGPT4 uh, Turbo with Vision. Okay, really short name. Yeah, I was gonna say, these names just sound like they're a blockbuster movie for the summer. Like this is yeah. getting better and better as we go, Romeo. Part two, part three, <laughs> um, you know, these fr franchise. Um, but, but seriously, this, ability to create multimodal inputs for prompts is is a huge unlock and vision being that multimodal input so um 
you know, there's some some great examples that that we're sharing that that uh, are happening in retail and marketing as well. Where now I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to take a picture of an item or ingest a picture or a video of an item mm-hmm. and have the LLM generate what it's seeing. Okay, it's taking in millions and millions of examples and using its vision, being able to come up with what it's seeing and a description that's spot on. I mean, it's 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 really amazing what it can do. Okay, that's fast tracking a lot of things, right? But now think about the same power of that in the context of a shop or maybe on an e-commerce site. Well, I'm shopping for something, I'm for my son, for instance. I don't even know what it is, a, a shirt or something, uh, a shoe. I hold that up in front, an example, or I grab a picture on the web, I put it into that prompt. And now, wow, it's going to recognize what that is. It's going to give me like brands, similar things. It's going to tell me where that's available. It's going to tell me the cost, right? Things that I would spend so much time trying to find as a consumer. And now it's surfacing it using that input and that prompt. I didn't even need to know what to ask for. I just said, grab something off of his dirty floor, messy room, said, I need another one of these because this is falling apart and it's telling me what that is. That is an incredible power and unlock uh, for for the next generation of of commerce experiences that, that we're going to see. And that's what gets that's what gets Ann and I really excited too. You talked about the UX changing, like that's a that's an entirely different UX to guide that commercial experience, which gets really fascinating. Which if we had more time, we'd spend spend more time on. But um, well, I think we'd be remiss too if we didn't if we didn't get you out of here on this last question, which is the average employee. You you, you talked about it a little bit in the open. You know, earlier on we talked about this, Chris. I think you mentioned you know if if you're you know, it's not going to replace, AI is not going to replace the employee, but it could replace those that don't understand it the best way. And I'm paraphrasing there. So correct me if I said that wrong, but, you know, uh, so, but if I'm sitting here listening and I'm the average employee in a retail organization, let's say, why should I get behind AI? Like what is in it for me? It's everything. It's everything right now in terms of how you are going to keep up and how you are going to be productive in a new world that's coming at you, whether you want it or not. And so, you know, I, I encourage anybody I speak to, especially uh, I get a chance to speak to a lot of young, um, you know, early in career folks. And I say, Hey, listen, this is a game changer for you, by the way, they're already getting it. So it's not like it's something they get it because they've been the early adopters of this. They're so, flexible that isn't yeah, necessarily the problem i should have said the average jet x employee what's or the other that? end of the spectrum <laughs> right, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah i mean you've had all of this knowledge locked up in your head for so long and know how to do things you need to be thinking about okay i'm going to have something that's going to uh you know going to be that brain basically be the brain of the organization how am i going to shift my thinking to get um, the most out of that. And so, uh, you know, I encourage folks that, that think they got it figured out to dig in because um, they're going to need to skill up in a different way. Um, there was a, actually a really interesting article uh, that came out not that long ago that talked about, um, you know, folks that are really good uh, in leveraging uh, generative AI. And um, it came to folks that manage, the folks that delegate, that are okay with letting go to you know, move faster in advance. Um, that is a thing that a manager has, somebody that's been in leadership has, they, they're really great orchestrators. 
And that is something that we can prepare ourselves for, right? If you're at that other end of the spectrum, you've been in an organization, think about all the things. Like if you had an entire staff of interns or folks working for you, what would you go and ask them to do? And that's how you can think about how you're going to get value out of uh, generative AI. And at the other end, like I said, they've kind of got it figured out. They're seeing ways that they can uh, see around corners, that they can move faster, they can get work done quicker, so they can go and surf and do those things that we, we talked right. about earlier. And But they can also advance their own careers in, in, in a different way. So um, I just say, you know, dig in, get your context. There's so many um, available avenues for skilling, for information, for for knowledge building right now, but um, you know, you have to take advantage of all of it. Oh, darn it, Romeo. Like you give us all these nuggets. Yeah. New UX for commerce. And then yeah. just, th then you drop this nugget on us that, you know, there's all the productivity that comes from gen AI, but it's also a management tool at the end of the day, if you use it and harness it. Right. So Chris, let's give you the last word on that. Like, what would you be telling your, your employees candidly in terms of why they should get on board with the, with the use of generative AI? Yeah, I would just say we we are in a new era of work and it's exciting to be on this AI journey with all of you. I think that um, there's an African proverb that I use not only in the role I play at home as a mom and a wife, uh, a daughter, you know, an aunt, but also with my work and my day to day and my teams. It's just I've leaned into this so much. And I think it's so true with AI is that to go fast, go alone, to go far, go together. And as you think about how this is with embracing AI and co-pilot and all that we have together, we're going to get more time back to allow for happiness in our day to day, to allow us to do things that like we only have so much time on this earth, right? Like we're, we all know this and to be able to have time back, what a gift and to embrace these tools. If you're not embracing them, you're not working as efficiently as you could be, you're missing out on revenue, on growth opportunities for your company, you're missing out on developing your talent within your organization. And so as I think about, you know, success breeding success and leaning into these new tools and embracing them, I really think that adopting them is going to enable you to move faster up on that exponential growth curve. And why would you wait? AI is not a spectator sport. It should not be a spectator sport. so good. Sport. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You need to build muscle. You need to build skills. You need to test yourself regularly right. and test those muscles and skills and then constantly improve. You know, this is something we all need to sort of build into into ourselves and how we're bringing our organization on board. You can't just stand back and watch it happen. You actually have to get out there and do the physical work to get there and take full advantage of it. Yeah, I think that's the most profound uh, way that we've ended absolutely any of our sessions with, with African uh, proverbs and yes I, mean, I, don't, I think that's the first time African <laughs> proverb drop yes uh well that that wraps us up I mean what more can you say we have mic know, drops right? from both of both of our guests um Romeo and Chris it was so wonderful to have you sharing these examples um I'm sure there's so much more that people are going to want to ask you they want to dive in deeper with you um if they want to talk to somebody at Microsoft or GitHub What's the best way for them to do that? Chris, I'll have you go first and give your your uh, contact information. Sure, yeah, reach out on LinkedIn or um, I can, I'm happy to put you in touch with the right contact at GitHub. So I'm on LinkedIn, you have my contact and it's pretty easy to reach out over a message. Excellent, thank you. Romeo, how about you? 
same here linkedin is a is a great avenue for getting in touch and uh, then also putting you in touch with the right folks right there's just there's so many different entry points and so i expect since i talked about security there might be security people to reach out as well oh yeah i'll help sort of farm that uh, as much as possible and uh get you to the right place but again just uh you know don't hesitate to reach out don't wait Make the call today. It's like a 1-800 number. I know. What are we selling here today? Sounds I don't know. Sounds much like a commercial. Uh, all right. Well, hey. Four easy installments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just get your generative AI today. You know, don't delay. Uh, but anyway, with all that said, thanks to everyone who joined us. Uh, thank you again to Romeo and Chris for giving us their gracious time as experts on this really, really important topic that is generative AI. Thanks to everyone that joined us live on LinkedIn and posted your questions as well as we went along and so finally to everyone watching live or listening later from their home their couch wherever on behalf of all of us at omnitalk as always be careful out there